Well, I hope that you all had a, uh, a great Thanksgiving this week and uh, enjoyed some time together with family or friends and, and uh, just being grateful for what God has done in your life this past year. And my family and I had a, had a chance just to have a nice, quiet Thanksgiving this year. It was just the five of us at our house and, and uh, just enjoyed being together and kind of a nice, slow day. And uh, so that was great. One of the things that seems to be true is almost before you can even get the Thanksgiving dinner dishes off the table and cleaned up and put away, the Christmas season is already upon us. It used to kind of start on Black Friday morning, you know, and then earlier and earlier and earlier. And now it's like pushing back into Thanksgiving Day itself. And uh, one of the things that's true as we think about the Christmas season, I think if we're honest, is, is when we think about Christmas, we think about gifts. And uh, we've got a few of them up here on the stage, right, to, to kind of set the mood for Christmas. And, and uh, it's not a bad thing. I think giving gifts at Christmas can be a great thing. I think we saw, um, you know, the baby Jesus was brought gifts uh, shortly after his birth by the three wise men. And, and, uh, and as soon as Thanksgiving's over, we're right into the gift-giving season of Christmas. So how many of you um, were already out and did some Christmas gift shopping this weekend? All right. Yeah, we did by accident. Um, weren't planning to go out, but we stopped at Walmart to get some stuff and found some gifts that we got for some extended family. So we, that was Friday night, though, after all the crowds were gone, and uh, that's how I would prefer to do that. But, yeah, I think the reality is when we think about Christmas in our culture and in, in our day and age, we think a lot about gifts, and it's just kind of become a normal part of the Christmas season. And even though we probably expect to get gifts each Christmas... Sometimes we get surprised by an unexpected gift, a gift we didn't really think we were going to receive or that we didn't anticipate we would get. You know, kind of like, um, apparently, as I watch the Christmas commercials, a lot of people get brand new Lexuses in their driveways on Christmas morning with big red bows, right? Anybody ever have that happen? Like, that would be unexpected in my life, right? <laughs> I would never expect to get that gift. But if, say, hey, if you did, that's awesome. That would be great. Uh, if, if you happened to be here last week at our, at our services when we were sharing some things that we were thankful for, uh, my wife Jen was up front here and shared about an unexpected gift that we received this fall. And, and um, you know, shortly after we came back from our trip this summer to Haiti with the students, um, we, we had shared, you know, just some of our heart and our love for the people there in Haiti. And, and someone unexpectedly um, gave us plane tickets to go back to Haiti, and we were there just a, a couple weeks ago and got to spend another week uh, in Haiti, and, and that was unexpected. We, we did not anticipate that um, three or four months later we'd be able to go back down uh, to Haiti again, and, and so it was something that was unexpected, and, and you know, I thought why we're talking about unexpected gifts and, and giving gifts this morning, I thought, well, this is a great opportunity to give a gift away. Um, I'm guessing most people don't come to church expecting to get a gift. Hopefully you come expecting to get something, but probably not a gift. And so as I thought, well, who would be the most unexpecting people to receive a gift in the adult services here uh, at CCC? And I thought, well, it'd have to be a student. All right. And so for our, for our church, we don't have programming for our students from seventh grade on up because we want them to be a part of our service. We want them to worship with us. We want them to become um, not just a part of the youth group, but part of the church as a whole. And so we have them join us in our services, and it also gives them a chance not just to worship with us, but a chance to serve, and many of them are serving this morning in different areas in the church, and, 
And uh, so I thought, all right, so of the students, who would be the, the least expecting to be recognized and to be given a gift? And I said, well, that's probably got to be a seventh grader. All right, and uh, they've only been in our service probably for the last few months. And so uh, I'm just curious, how many seventh graders do we have in the house today? Oh, it's, oh two? All right, so we got two. All right, we got two. So I want to give this gift to the youngest seventh grader. So of you two, Sam, when's your, when's, when's your birthday? Loud. December 23rd, all right? And... Christy? Yes. She's a twin, and I'm, I'm working on it. All right, so Christy, when's your birthday? July? Oh, so you turned, you turned 12 right before you went to seventh grade. Is that right? All right, so you're the youngest one here. All right, you come on up, and I'm going to give this to you. This is a, a, a personal Bluetooth speaker that you can use with your devices to jam to some tunes or talk on speakerphone if you don't have any devices to use that with or your parents are like, not a chance. The gift receipt is on top, so you can do, get something else, all right? So, all right. We love having students here in our service with us, and, and uh, that's something I love to do is give, is give away unexpected gifts. And, you know, as we, as we head into the Christmas season, we're going to be starting a brand new series, as, as Amy mentioned, called The Gifts of Christmas. And so we're going to be talking over the next five weeks uh, about five different unexpected gifts that we have to offer to others. And, and these gifts don't come wrapped up like this or placed under the Christmas tree, but they're just things that from our life to someone else's life we have to offer. Gifts like our words, gifts like extending grace, gifts like our presence with a C, not a T, not presence, presence like our being with one another. And, and these are gifts that, that are often unexpected but can make a huge difference in somebody's life. And this morning we want to start by talking about the gift of generosity, an unexpected gift that can often have pretty remarkable impact. And I think as you look through God's word, it's pretty clear that God desires that that his followers be known as generous people, be known as those that give to others, and especially to those in need. But if you're like me, maybe you struggle with the idea of generosity, or not the idea, but the act of being generous. And uh, maybe it's kind of hard. There's some people here, and maybe there's a few here today, that God has just gifted and given them this amazing ability to give what they have to others, and, and sometimes to live on far less so that they can give more. And, uh, and, that, and that's amazing. I, I look at those people, and I think that's awesome. But whether you, you know, are one of those people or not, God calls all of us to be generous people. And so sometimes we, we struggle and we wrestle with generosity. And, and I think as we think about this idea of generosity, I think it's because sometimes we wrestle with it because we believe certain lies about generosity. And I think these lies kind of creep into our thinking and they affect the way that we understand it and that we look at it. And so to start this morning, I want to just take a look at some of these lies about generosity. And the first one, you see there's this, I don't have the resources to give. You know, sometimes these are lies like this that we tell ourselves, and other times they're, they're lies that kind of the culture all around us communicates to us. But sometimes we convince ourselves that I just don't, I don't have enough to give. I don't have enough to give to others. And, and it shows up in our life sometimes when, when we start thinking or saying things like, well, I'll be generous when I have more. When I, I'll be generous when I get that raise that I've been waiting on. Or when I get the, the, the job that I'm hoping for, 
so that I have more to give. Or, or maybe we say, well, I'll be generous when my kids are out of college and I'm not trying to help them through um, their college years. Or, or maybe you're a college student and you're like, I'll, I'll give when I get out of college and I actually have some money, uh, trying not to go into debt. Or maybe, you know, maybe we say, well, I'll give when I finally get out of debt and then I'll be able to have some extra to give. Or, or I'll give when I get my retirement all set and in order so when I get to the end of my life, things are good to go. And, and we, we, we often convince ourselves, I just don't have what I need to be able to give right now. Or sometimes we believe the second lie, and that's that you have to be rich to be generous, that you have to have a lot so that you can give a lot. And I think this one is connected to the next one that's going to come up there, and that's because we often think that generosity is, is about the amount, right? It's the amount that matters. So if I want to be known as a, as a really generous person, then I have to give a large amount. And, and, and this creeping kind of settles in, you know, the size of our gift equals the amount of our generosity. You know, but, you know, so if, we, if we look at two people who are giving um, towards someone in need, and, and this person offers $5, they give $5, and that's what they have to give. And then we see someone else over here who gives $5,000. You know, I think probably most of us are tempted to say, wow, that person that gave $5,000 he is generous or she is generous. Look how much they gave. But what we don't understand or what we, what we may not know is that this person here may have offered their last $5. And this person here may have given 5000 but it's a really, really small amount of what they could have given. And so we have to be careful not to get so focused that generosity is, is so much connected to the size of the gift or the amount that we give. Another lie is this. We, we kind of tell ourselves, well, I'll be generous if I know it's going to be used correctly. All right, so we kind of give with, you know, with some guidelines attached to it. Well, you know, I, I, I want to give knowing that it's not going to be wasted or, or I want to give knowing that it's going to really go to a good cause and do some good things. I kind of want to give, but it's got to be on my terms. And this is a, this is a lie that I kind of learned growing up and I can remember uh, growing up and being told that hey, you probably shouldn't give, if you see like a, a homeless person or someone who's out of work and asking for money on the street, you probably should be really careful not to give them money because they're probably just going to take it and go buy like alcohol or drugs or something like that that's just going to, you know, help ruin their lives. And, and you don't know what the truth is or not. And I, I remember internalizing that and saying, well, then I probably shouldn't give because I really, I wouldn't want to encourage them to do that. That's only going to perpetuate the problem. And so I kind of convinced myself that, well, I just won't give because I don't, know that I can trust them to use it in the right way. And these, you know, these lies kind of get, get buried into our mind and ingrained into our minds. And, and the last one here that I have is a little different than the rest that says, well, I'll give because I know I'll get more if I do. All right? and, and sometimes we call this the, the prosperity gospel or the, you know, the health and wealth gospel. And, and there's a lot of people that teach you know, that the more you give to God, and if you have enough faith, he's going to give you, he'll bless you even more. So, like, so if you give this much, he'll give you even more back. Right, and I actually heard a, a, a guy preaching, uh, one on the internet and one in real life, uh, not too long ago, um, about this, this idea and that this was the way that God works and this is the way generosity works. And, you know, the one guy even had this great story. He said, he said I, I, I sensed that God was calling me to give away my car, my only car. And, and he said, so I did. I gave it to this person that really needed it. And I went a couple months, and I didn't, I didn't have a car, and I walked a long ways <laughs> a lot of times. And then, then God gave me not one car, but two cars. 
And both of them were nicer than the one that I gave away. And, and, and that's, that's awesome. And God does work that way sometimes, but not all the time. And, and, and our motivation in, our, in giving, it shouldn't be that I'll give some so God will give me more. But sometimes we're faced with that. And sometimes we, as we're faced with these lies, you know, as it comes to generosity, you know, if we, if we kind of look at that list and we think, well, what lies underneath these? What's, what's kind of the root of all these things? I think what it comes back to is it comes back to a lack of trust. It comes back to a lack of trust in our life. And we struggle to trust that God is going to provide for us what we need so that we can give some of what we have away to others. And, you know, this lack of trust is, is, and the struggle to be generous, I don't think is something new. It's not something that's just uh, that us, you know, 21st century American Christians face. I think that this has really been a struggle for all Christians at all times. And, and in fact, today we're going to look at a passage in the book of 2 Corinthians um, in which the Apostle Paul is writing about this very issue um, to the churches there in the city of Corinth. And, and uh, the guys are going to come, and, and uh, if you want a Bible to follow along with, you can see the page numbers there on the screen, and they'll, they'll uh, have a Bible there that you can use. And if you don't have a Bible at home that you, and you'd like to have one, please take this one home with you. And uh, so in this passage, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I want to just explain a little bit of what's going on, and kind of jumping in the middle of a letter that the Apostle Paul is writing, and I want, to, I want to make sure that we understand what's going on and what he's talking about here. In this particular part of the letter, he was addressing a lot of different things to these churches, and, and some wrong teaching and wrong thinking that had crept into the church, but in this particular passage, he's um, talking about helping, trying to prepare them um, to participate in a collection that they had promised to be involved in quite some time before this. In fact, he was sending a, uh, a guy named Titus and a couple other guys to go and take this letter and to help the Corinthian churches prepare and to gather what they'd promised to give together so that when Paul came, he could take that and take it to um, the Jewish Christians living in Jerusalem who were in great need. They, they were being oppressed, and, and the poverty level there was, was extremely high. And, and so the churches in that area all around Corinth, had, Paul had, had um, asked them to give to this, and they had said they would. And he's trying to encourage them to, to participate, to come uh, through on what they said. And something that was pretty cool as I was looking at this passage and thinking about um, this collection that they took is, is maybe some way to help us kind of understand it a little bit, is this is something that we um, got to do not too long ago. And in fact, um, a couple of weeks ago when I was in Haiti, I actually got to do what Paul's preparing to do and, and take a generous gift from you to Pastor Robbie's church in Haiti. And if you remember way back in August, when uh, shortly after our students came back from their trip, we shared with you the story um, about Pastor Robbie's church who we had partnered with all that week and how when we got delayed and missed our flight, um, that um, one of the things that was really encouraging and helpful to us was their church and, and Pastor Robbie specifically who came and, and kind of like a pastor, you know, one of the pastors our church would do when you face a rough time, came and spent time with us and uh, tried to help us in any way that he could and actually gave us a generous gift to help with whatever we needed in that time. And so when I came back and shared that story is when we took our, our missions offering, you all gave very generously back to Pastor Robbie and his church. And I was able to, when we went to Haiti a couple weeks ago, take that uh, over $6,600 and give that to them as a gift. And uh, I want to show you a quick video that Pastor Robbie asked me to show to you 
just as he wanted an, an opportunity to say thank you to you. CCC just wanted to take the opportunity to introduce you to my friend Pastor Robbie here in Haiti and uh, I just had the opportunity to speak at his church today and uh, also bring and give him the, the gift that we collected for them back in August and uh, just wanted to give him a chance to, to talk to you and just to uh, share his gratitude with you. Yes, my name is Pastor Robbie, but my true name is Pastor Robert Simeon. So I'm an Haitian, and uh, I'm, I believe, as he said, that I'm a lovely guy <laughs> and a humble person. So I would, I don't know how to really show you appreciation about this. This is a wonderful gift, and I receive it with my heart my love and just to tell you that this is a point of contact of what God is going to do and about to do between the seed. And I know something will plant and the fat will bring some food and this food other people will be able to eat from it and survive their life. I thank you. Thank you for all my appreciation and thank you once again. In Jesus' name, I bless you all, and I bless you all, and I bless you. And Pastor Tim is my friend, <laughs> my brother. <laughs> and tomorrow we're gonna spend the whole day together. Yep. And so I know you will talk more about me, and as you will know more about me through him. Bless you and love you all. Bye bye. <laughs> And they were super grateful for that, that gift, your generosity, that I was able to, to take down to them. And um, that was on Sunday night. And Sunday morning, I told them I had um, a gift for them from you guys, from our church. And uh, I didn't even tell him how much it was or what it was. And I, he probably assumed it was, was money. And, and uh, um, he, he, he covered his face and he just started sobbing on my shoulder. He's a, he's a big hugger and uh, gives great big sweaty hugs, and, uh, um, which is awesome. <laughs> Uh, but he, he was just, you know, just so moved by your generosity. And, and, and so maybe that gives us a little bit of a, an idea of kind of the backdrop for, um, for what Paul is encouraging them towards, all right? A very, very similar thing. And, and, um, and, and so Paul's trying to encourage their generosity so that they wouldn't fall prey to some of the prevailing thinking that was kind of starting to creep into the church. See, one of the things that you have to understand about um, the city of Corinth is that it was a pretty um, well-to-do, a very flourishing colony in the Roman um, Empire. And uh, it, it, was, it was so prosperous because it was really a, a crossroads, both by land and by sea. And so it was huge in the trade routes of that time. And basically anything in that area had to go through Corinth. And so there was a lot of uh, great business opportunities there. And the, and, um, the city really was... Um, destroyed when when rome took over greece right they destroyed and they, they just wiped out the whole city and it just lay in ruins for about a hundred years and then i think they realized hey that was a pretty important city and and uh, we should probably build it back again and make good use of it and so they sent people to back to corinth to populate the city and and one of the groups that they sent a very large group that they sent back was a, a group of freed slaves 
And so this really represented for them a, a, an opportunity to do something they'd never been able to do in their life as a slave, and that's to, to build a life for themselves, to, to find a way to, to build a business, to make money, to, to get involved in the trades and, and everything that was going on were about to go on in that city. And, and it was a chance for them for a new, re, new beginning. You know, we'd probably say that, you know, if the city was kind of filled with people who, around here, we'd say, who pulled themselves up by their bootstraps, right? Who had nothing and they found a way to make... Um, to be successful, to make a living. And so the city was filled with all these really self-made people who worked really, really hard to get to where they were at. And there in, in, in the city of Corinth, wealth was something that was really valued and, and, and something to be pursued because wealth is what gave you status. And so you can imagine these many people that, that their status was as low as it could be now had the opportunity to rise you know, the social ladder and it was based on their wealth. And so, so everyone was trying to, to, to pursue wealth and to gain wealth and to hold tightly onto the wealth that they had. And, and they also liked to show it off because, you know, for others to know where you were kind of in that social ladder, that you had to kind of sh- let them see where you were at, so let them see what you had. So, so it was really, you were almost expected to kind of show off your wealth based on where you lived and, and what you lived in and, and, and the things that you did and the places you went and the things you wore and all that. And this type of thinking, all right, that was all around the people in Corinth, the churches in Corinth, started to seep into the church. And Paul was concerned that it was going to affect their ability to participate in this collection, and it was going to affect their ability to be generous to those Christians in need in Jerusalem. And so that's kind of the background to this passage. And so if you want to take a look in your Bible, or it'll also be up on the screen, we're going to start looking at this passage in chapter 9, verse 6. And verse 6 says this, it says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And before we go any farther into the passage, I, I want to stop right there for a second because I, I think we have to be careful as we come to this verse because this is one of those verses that people use that I talked about earlier to say that the more you give, the more you're going to get back, right? The more you sow, the more you're going to reap, all right? And, and I'm not sure that's exactly what Paul's trying to communicate in this passage. I think the reaping that he's talking about as we're going to see as we go through this passage is not just financial or material, right? But it has to do with all of life. It has to do with, with spiritual blessing. It has to do with, with uh, maybe emotional and, and, and physical and relational blessing. It has to do with, with um, gathering all, all the things in our life, right? God giving us all those things. And, and I think the other thing is that I'm not sure that Paul's planning to apply this just to you as the giver, right? Some of the harvest is going to be for those that you give to. It's going to be the results that happen in the other per- people's life, the recipients of the generosity, or, or even those around you that see your generosity. And again, I think he's also not um, trying to say that there's this one-to-one. You sow this, you're going to get this much more back. I don't think he's so focused on the amount. Maybe sowing um, more generously means you do it more frequently. Maybe it means the breadth of your giving is not just here, but it's a wider breadth. Or maybe it's, you know, again, it's, it's not about the amount. We talked about the proportional giving, right? Um, the, the temptation is to, to compare what we give to what someone else gives, and that's not the point. The point is, I think, Paul challenging them to give more. And here's one of the reasons that I think we have to understand this this way, because you have to think about the Apostle Paul, who's writing this passage. And if you, if you know much about his life, um, by the time when he became a Christian and God called him to go out and to share the gospel with the Gentiles and to begin to plant churches um, all through the Gentile nations, right? his life was not super easy. He did not live in the lap of luxury. He did not 
He did so an awful lot, right? He gave all he had and he gave, ended up really giving his entire life to that cause, but he didn't gain financially from it. Just a couple chapters later um, is this verse in, in chapter 11. And this is at the end of probably five verses of talking about just how hard and difficult his life is and the things that he faced and endured in his ministry. And he, he concludes it with this. He says, I've labored and toiled and I've gone often without sleep and I've known hunger and thirst and I've often gone without food and I have been cold and naked. All right, so Paul, all right, I don't think he's using this verse to say the more that you give, the more you're going to get back for yourself. Because right? that was definitely not his experience. Right? He was a bad example if that's what he was trying to communicate. But I think what he's trying to, to help them to understand by using kind of this really common proverb that you kind of see all throughout Scripture of, of sowing and reaping is, is just the fact that, um, that this is kind of how generosity works. Right? The, the more you give, the more results there can be. And the less you give, the less results there can be. It's, it's a farming analogy. And so when the farmers would harvest their crops... It's a little different than, than today's farmers who just go buy new seed in the spring. They had to save some of their harvest back so that they could plant it the next spring. All right? And the rest they would eat and they'd feed their family or maybe they would sell some of it. All right? But if they, what Paul's saying is if, if a farmer keeps just a little bit of seed, then the next spring he's only got a little bit of seed that he can sow. And he can expect that if he sows a little, then his harvest will be pretty little. But if he saves back more... Right? And, he, and, he, and he sows more, he plants more seed, then he can expect that his harvest is going to be much greater. And so Paul's kind of using this analogy to help them just kind of understand this about giving, that if you give less, then there will be less results. And if you give more, there can be more results. And again, when we talk less and more, don't think about comparing yourself with someone else, but think about you as an individual, if I give less or if I give more, all right? and not a comparison to, to one another. Um, that, that, that idea is a relative thing. And so what Paul's trying to help them do, right, it's like saying, I can give this much and it'll help one person, or I can give this much and maybe I can help two people. My giving a little more has a greater result. And he's trying to help them to apply this principle to their generosity as he's starting to encourage them towards that. And, and I think he's just trying to state that fact to them. The less you give, the less results you can expect. And the more you give, as an individual, the more results you can expect. And trying to help them, remind them of this connection between what they give and the, what it will produce. And he's really setting them up for, for this whole idea of generosity and what God desires for them in that. And take a look at verse 7. He says this, he goes on to say, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so here in verse 7, right, Paul kind of gives them really God's design for generosity and what that looks like. And this is really what Paul longs to be true of the Corinthian believers. He wants them to, 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 to experience this kind of generosity and understand that this is what God desires from. This is true generosity. And, and notice that he starts, the first thing he says about it is that you know, you should give what you've decided in your heart. It's not about, right, it's not focused on the amount. Right? I've said that over and over again because I, I, I don't want you to get confused that sometime, you know, somehow we're trying to, to guilt you into giving more. All right? He says you should decide whatever you decide to give and just do that. 
All right? And, and as, as followers of Christ, we, we have the Spirit of God living in us. And I think that he's going to lead us and guide us and direct us into those things. And God doesn't give us an amount. He doesn't say, well, you need to give this much to be generous, or you need to give this percentage, and then you can be generous. No, he leaves that up to us. He lets us make that choice and that decision. He says, you should just decide to give, but don't focus on It's not just about the amount. And he goes on to say, it also should be given freely. All right? It says, not reluctantly or under compulsion. When we give reluctantly, we're reluctant because we're worried about something. All right? When I hand my tablet to my kids to play a game, I'm reluctant because I'm afraid they're going to break it, right? Or I fear that they might break it. And when we give, sometimes we're reluctant because maybe we're afraid that there's not going to be enough left for us or that somehow it's going to impact our bottom line in a negative way. Or maybe, as we said earlier, we give and we're reluctant because we're just not quite sure it's going to get used right or it's going to bring about the results that we desire for it. But Paul says, we don't want you to give. God doesn't want you to give that way. He wants you to give freely. He doesn't want you to give reluctantly. All right? And he says, not under compulsion. God doesn't want our giving to be driven by guilt. And, and we're driven by guilt when we do things because we think we have to. Does God long for us and desire for us to be generous? Yes. But when we give out of guilt, we're not giving or being generous in the way that God longs for us. Because when we're focused on, you know, on, on what's, how it's going to affect us and we're focused on, well, I'll do it just because I have to, there's no joy in that. And that's what he says there at the end of that verse. God, God longs and desires that we can give and we can do it cheerfully. We can, we can find joy in our giving. That's part of what we get back from giving, right? Is, is the joy and, and, and the emotional um, experience that we get in knowing that we were helping someone else with what God has provided with us. And so he's kind of setting them up to understand this is really what God desires for you as Corinthian believers to, to when it comes to generosity, that he wants you to be able to give and to give freely and to give joyfully. And so if we were read, you know, hearing this letter read to us back then, probably the question in our mind and maybe the question in your mind is, okay, so I'm not there yet where I give freely and I give generously a lot. Uh, so how do we get there? How do we get to the point where, we, where this can be true of us? If this is what God longs and desires for us as his followers, how do we get there? And I think Paul goes on here in verse 8 to start to explain to us how we can get there. Take a look at verse 8. It says this, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. All right? And so as we look at that verse and as we think about how, what Paul's trying to help them understand about generosity, um, I think that there's, you know, there's three words there that really help us to understand his point. And that's it's the words, God is able. All right? God is able. Notice Paul didn't go to, you're able, Corinthians. You guys got a lot of money. You can give generously. He didn't go there. He went to know God is able. God is the one who can be trusted to, he says, bless you abundantly. And again, not just so that we have more, and I don't think it's just material blessing, all right? but God is able to bless you far beyond what you could even imagine because he wants you to be able to give to those in need. All right? He's going to provide, it says in that verse, all that you need, no matter what happens in your life. Look, it says in the phrase, it says, um, in all things, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter where you are in life, whether you're a high school student and you're like, I don't have two pennies to rub together because it all goes to paying for my gas and my car and paying for my insurance, 
or a college student who's trying to stay out of debt or someone who's, uh, you know, just got out of college and you're trying to get yourself established or maybe you're in the middle of your life, all right, and, and maybe you've gotten established or maybe you're having to reestablish things or whether you're in, you know, towards the end and you're living on your retirement. It says whatever's going on in your life, whatever at all times, whatever phase of life you find yourself in, he's trying to help them understand that God is able to provide for you. And the last phrase there says, you know, so you will abound in every good work so that you can continue to give to others. The good work he's talking about is the gift, the generosity towards these brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And so I think what Paul's really trying to help them understand in this verse is this, is that you can trust God with your needs. You can trust God with your needs. He knows them. He knows what you need. He knows what you have. He knows what's going on in your life. He knows the circumstances you find yourself in. And he's able. He, he has the resources at his disposal. He has the power at his disposal. He can provide them for you. He is able to do that. And I think the other, the other thing that lies underneath this that, that maybe is, is often difficult for us in our setting to think about is the idea that the reality is all that we have comes from God. And often I struggle to think this way, and maybe some of you struggle to think this way too. And, and, and I'm guessing that the Corinthians really wrestled with this. You know, we often want to say, hey, look what I did. Look, look at how hard I've worked, and look what I've saved, and look what I've accomplished, and look what I've earned, and look what I've done, and what we've done for ourselves or by ourselves. And we forget to understand that everything that we have comes from God. That apart from God, we could not have those things. And, and we don't think that way because we have so much. And, and we don't think that way because um, maybe for a lot of us it's come fairly easily. I don't know. But we wrestle with that, that thinking that all we have belongs to God and, and, and it could be gone tomorrow or it could be gone in a short time or over a long period of time. It could go away. It, God has provided all that we have. And so Paul's trying to help them right, to understand this and, and to understand that God's provided everything that they have and that they can trust him to provide what they need so that they can give freely to those who are in need. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on in verses 9 and 10 to, to tell them something else uh, about their trust in God. And he says this in verse 9. He says, As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seeds and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And so verse 9, there is actually a quote from the book of Psalms. It's from Psalm 12, or excuse me, Psalm 112, um, verse 9. And Psalm 112 is all about a, a righteous person. What does a righteous person look like? Someone who follows God with all that there. What does that look like? And, and this verse is saying that one of the things that that looks like is that they, they give generously. And it says that they don't just give generously, but that their generosity, their righteousness, the good things that they're doing, they're giving it has lasting results. It endures forever. It has a lasting result in their life. It has a lasting result in the life of those who have received it. And then he goes on in verse 10, and he kind of reiterates that same idea about God being the one who provides all right, the seed and provides the harvest. And he says, um, at the very end there, he says, so, that you, so he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I think what Paul's trying to help them to, to look at and what he's helping them to focus on is that their generosity will bear good results. 
all right, that will bear good results both in their lives and the lives of others. And he's trying to help them to understand that not only can we trust God with what we need, but you can trust God with the results as well. You don't have to worry about the results of your giving or your generosity. God's able, and he will bring about the results that he desires. He's telling the, the Corinthians that your job's to give, and jobs, God's job is to make it productive, to bring about the results. It's kind of like a, a farmer. A farmer can, can save back his seed like we talked about, and he can, he can uh, plant and sow abundantly, and he can do a few things to help ensure that he has a good crop, but he can't make it grow. He can't determine how big the harvest is going to be because he can't determine the weather and he can't make it rain or make the sun shine and he can't keep the bugs from eating everything that grows and he can't keep disease from wiping out his entire crop. And Paul's trying to help them to understand that that God is the one that takes what we give and what they give and produces the result. And he's trying to help them to understand that they can trust God with the results of their generosity. And then in verse 11, he kind of wraps the whole thing up. And he kind of he gives a really good summary of this entire passage. And he says this, he says, And you will be enriched in every way so that you will be generous on every, so you can be generous on every occasion. All right, and he, he's reminding them again, one more time. Remember, God is the one that can enrich you, can give you the means of being um, generous, not just financially, but but like we said, emotionally and spiritually and, and relationally and physically and all of that, in every way, he says, you can be enriched in every way, but not just so you have more, so that you can be generous on every occasion. So that when, so for the Corinthians, any time that a need rises up, they have the opportunity to give, they can do that and be generous. Paul's trying to, to really help them understand that true generosity, that, that joyful and that free giving, right, that we saw in verse 7, is rooted in their trust for God, is rooted in their ability to trust God to provide and to trust God with the results. And I think this message that Paul's giving them as they prepare for this collection is the same message that he wants us to grasp today. I think we need this as well. And I kind of rephrased it this way. I said, your ability to, to be truly generous is directly connected to your ability to completely trust God to provide for you. And so as we think about this, this idea of generosity, of, of being able to give freely and give joyfully to those in need, you know, I think we have to stop and think about ourselves. You know, where do we fall in that? Do we give? Is it reluctant? Is it out of guilt? Is God challenging us maybe to give more? And so I want us just to, to take a, a couple minutes this morning and stop and ask ourselves this question. Where are you with generosity? Where am I with generosity? Where where are we when it comes to being generous? And I was trying to think through how do we, how do we kind of quantify this? How do we find a way to help us, you know, kind of process and think through this? And so I came up with this five-point scale that we're just, we're going we're gonna to walk through. And, and maybe you identify with one of these five areas, kind of this, you know, this, this not really a grading scale, but just kind of this progression in what it looks like to be generous, all right? And maybe you would say, well, I'm kind of on the front side. I'm a number one, right? I I don't even give at all. Um, just the idea of generous and, and being generous is not, uh, just not a part of my life. And if that's where you are, that's okay. It, it, it's good just to, to recognize that and to acknowledge that and to be, be challenged by that. Maybe you would say, though, you're, maybe you say, well, I'm a number two. I give, but I, I just do it because I have to, 
You know, I, I just give because I think that's what I'm expected to do. I give because that's what I think God says I have to do. And, and so I give, but, I, you know, it's just, it's really out of guilt. It's really out of compulsion. So maybe, you, maybe you'd say you're a two. Maybe you'd say you're a three. You're kind of in the middle here, and you say, I give, but I give really reluctantly. I give, but it's really hard. You know, it's hard to let go. It's hard to, it's hard to trust God is going to provide what I need if I give. Or maybe you'd be number four. You say, I give, but ah, it's not always cheerfully. There's not always with joy. No, I give, and I understand that, you know, that God's going to give me what I need, but I just, sometimes there's just no joy in it. I don't fear, feel cheerful when I give. Or maybe you'd say you're a five, and you're like, you know what? God's enabled me to be very generous. I can give, and I can give freely, and I can give with joy. And if that's you, that's great. That's an awesome place to be. I think that's where God longs for us all to be. But, but I want you to understand in, in sharing this with you, this is not about making you feel guilty if you're not a number five. Because this, like anything in our Christian life, this is, a, this is a process. This is something, it's not about trying to be a five tomorrow, right? But it's, try, it's about taking a step towards maybe moving up one number, right? Or maybe improving just a little bit in this area of generosity over the next year. If I was really honest with you, which I'm going to be, I'm probably a two or a three here. I kind of, kind of would go back and forth between some of those. Sometimes I give because I feel like I have to. You know, sometimes being a pastor even, you know, I feel like I have to give and, and you know, I have to set a good example. And I, sometimes I wrestle with that. Sometimes I give reluctantly because I'm just worried, you know, if I give, am I going to have what I need to take care of the things that are in front of me? And so I've, I kind of wrestle with this whole idea of, of being generous. And, and, and the, again, the, remember, that it's, it's not about where you are, but it's about taking a step in that journey. And, to, you know, so how do we move up, you know, how do we move up on this scale? All right, how do we move up in our generosity? How do we increase our generosity and move towards being generous in the way God longs for us to be? I think it comes down, we have to confront the issue of trust again. You know, if we go back to the statement that we were looking at, you know, says that our ability to be truly generous is connected to our ability to completely trust God. So we have to ask ourselves, you know, where am I not trusting God? Or how do I move forward in my trust of God? How do I trust God more in this area of generosity? And so I, I was thinking through that this week, and I put together some things that maybe kind of correspond with the numbers. So, so I don't know where you kind of identified yourself on that scale, but, but maybe for you, one of these is going to be a good step for you. So maybe if you said, well, I'm a one, I just haven't moved into, you know, being generous at all. Maybe for you, you need to just try giving. Maybe that's the steps God asking you to take this morning. So there's something about, you know, just giving God a chance to show up. That if we sometimes when we just step out in faith, our trust in God grows because we, we kind of cross this threshold and give him a chance to show up in our lives and to, to see what he can do with our generosity. Sometimes we just have to put it to action and allow God to grow our trust that way. A couple of years ago, uh, you know, knowing that this is something that I can wrestle with and and uh, not wanting my, my kids to grow up kind of with some of the same struggles that I have when it comes to generosity, we decided as a family at, at Christmas one year that we wanted to, to do something, to do less for ourselves and to do something for someone else. And so, so we decided that we were going um, to buy a goat for a family in Haiti. We had taken our first trip to Haiti um, previous to that, and um, we were able through 
um, the organization that we went with, to buy a goat for a family to help provide for them a, a means of, of generating an income. And so we, we decided to do that, and we just took that step. And, and I asked my kids to, to consider, you know, breaking open the piggy bank and being a part of that together with us, not just mom and dad doing it, but them doing it with us. And we told them we were going to do a little less for Christmas. And uh, we were just going to step out and see what God did. And they were fine. You know, they had enough for Christmas. They weren't disappointed when Christmas Day came and, and uh, they opened maybe a little less than the year before. And, and we were fine as a family. We didn't, you know, suffer any, you know, tragic financial situation because we gave a little bit to somebody else. And so sometimes for us, we just have to take that step of trying, just giving, and just putting it into action. Maybe for you, if you kind of identified with number two, maybe, maybe what you need to do is kind of internalize this verse number seven, right? This, we said this is kind of God's ideal for what generosity looks like in his followers. Maybe we need to just spend some time kind of memorizing that and sitting with that and thinking about what, what, does, what would this look like in my life? Where am I at with this? How do I take the next step toward being able to give in this way? God says his word's powerful, and, and, and he can use it in our lives. He will use it in our lives to change us from the inside out. And so maybe we need to just spend some time internalizing God's ideal for generosity. Or maybe if you kind of were on the number three, uh, you said you were a number three, right? You kind of give, but a little bit reluctantly. Maybe one of the things that can help you, I just called it take inventory. And uh, this is something I did this week just, just to try. Um, to see, see how it go. And what I mean by take inventory is write down everything that you own. Get a pad of paper or get your tablet out or your phone and just start listing everything that you own. And it takes a little while, and, and, and I didn't get through everything that I own. I think I got up to about 760 things, and uh, that was my stuff and, like, a lot of our, like, furniture and stuff in our house, and I stopped at that point. But make a list of what you own and then just stop and just spend some time. Don't just list it, but spend some time thinking about the reality that we talked about, that everything that we have comes from God. And I looked at this list of stuff and I said, this is all that God has provided for me. And hopefully it can maybe change our perspective and move us away from being so reluctant because we realize that God has done a lot for us. And that we can trust him to continue to provide for what we need. And maybe it'll help you clean some stuff out of your house, too. <laughs> and you realize how much you have. The sad thing is, we just did that this fall. And uh, I still had a long list of stuff. And uh, I don't know who needs 27 t-shirts, but I have that many. So um, if anybody needs some, let me know. But so maybe you need to take inventory. Or maybe if you kind of identified uh, on number four here, Maybe you need to find a way to see some results. See the results of someone's generosity. Maybe your own, maybe someone else's. Find a way to see God taking people's generosity and, and making a difference in people's lives. You know, one of the things that Jen and I were able to experience on, on this last trip to Haiti was, was some of that. We got to go to a lot of places that we can't go when we have a team of students with us because um, just logistically it's hard to get there um, or it just doesn't fit with what the team is there to do. And, and we got to see a lot of different things. We actually got to go visit the family that we gave the goat to. And we, we showed up at, at their house and, and, uh, and got to meet them for the first time and saw the goat that we had helped them buy. And there wasn't just one goat, now there was eight goats. And uh, that goat was pregnant when they bought it and it had babies and then more babies. And now, they, two years later, they got eight goats. But I was sitting there thinking, I was like, 
okay, so this family is struggling to make it, and now they've got eight goats to take care of, so how did I help them in any way whatsoever? All right, now they've got to make sure eight goats are fed and taken care of and all this. And so we were talking about that, and I asked um, one of the Haitians that was with us, uh, his name's Reggie, and I said, Reggie, I said, how, how is this helpful to them? I said, now, now they, they've got to make sure the goats are fed too, let alone themselves. And he said, well, Tim, you've got to understand, this is their savings account. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, well, it's like when, when we have a savings account and something happens in our life and we need some money, we can take it from our savings. That's kind of what it's there for, kind of an emergency fund. He said the goats this, represent that same thing to them. When they need to send their kids to school and they can't afford to pay for it, they can sell one of their goats. And they can, you know, they can trust that out of their eight goats that they'll get more goats from their goats. And so they can use these goats as a savings account to pay for the things. If something happens, they need to get some food, they can sell a goat. And so we were able to kind of see some of the results of, of generosity. We saw a school where uh, the, the, someone came in after the earthquake um, and built this school, and it's way out in, in the countryside. And you have to, like, drive up this river to get to it, and about 45 minutes up this river, and, uh, which is why we can't take teams there because the bus would not make it. And, uh, but we got to go see the school that was built for this community way out kind of in the middle of nowhere. And, and not just a school that someone built for them, but also a program that was helping the community leaders to, to, to grow and raise actually goats again, right, to be able to pay for their teachers, to be able to maintain the school, to be able to feed the kids a hot meal every day. And I could go on and on about, uh, you know, other ways that we saw where we were there in Haiti, but um, you can ask me personally if you want to know some more. But, but maybe you've got to find a way to see results. And you don't have to go to Haiti to see results of generosity. You can get on the Internet and just look up some of these organizations that, like uh, Compassion International and World Vision and Hope International, and some of those that, that uh, work with providing for the poor. Or maybe you can go volunteer down at Water Street or, or, or a local organization and just see how people's generosity is making a difference in people's lives. Because sometimes when we see that, it helps us to take that step towards being able to give uh, much more freely and much more joyfully because we understand and we see the difference it's making in people's lives. And so I don't know, oh, I skipped number five. We, can't, we don't want to leave the, the number five people out here. So number five, if you're doing great with generosity, maybe for you it's just to keep on giving. But as I was even thinking about that, maybe, maybe to take that another step, maybe for you the step to take if you feel like this is an area that you do really well in is to, to take somebody along with you. Maybe you can help someone at number four to see the results. They don't have to see how much you give but take them along to see the result that it has or share with them the result that it has in your life personally or to take them along wherever you give to and, and show them, let them see the results in those that receive it. So I don't know for you where you're at or where, if you identified with any of these steps or maybe there's something else that you're thinking about, a step that you can take to move you forward in your trust with God so that you can be more generous. But I would challenge you to commit to taking a step Take one step this holiday season that's going to help you to grow in your trust for God so that you can grow in your generosity to others. And maybe there's some of you are wondering, well, I don't quite even really know where to start. And so I thought, well, I should probably give you some ideas of some ways that you can be generous, some ways through our church and some ways um, internationally and in our area that you can be generous. Maybe it's as simple as you know a family member or a friend or a neighbor who's in need. And maybe there's something you can do this holiday season to provide for them. Maybe there's a, a local organization that you're aware of that you know about that you can give to or volunteer at, that you can, that you can, you can um, invest in. 
there's, there's one, there's several that we, you know, you've probably heard us talk about, Homes of Hope, and, and we're actually doing one right now if you saw the pile of food out in the food bank, some of the food banks in this area. All right, there's lots of ways, local organizations that you can give to. The third one there, you may be like, what in the world is that? Um, this is one, Bite Back Malaria is actually an, um, uh, an offering project that our kids in, this, in Studio 252 are doing, our elementary kids. And um, this is something that they're really excited about. They're, they're, they're giving towards buying um, mosquito nets for um, kids and families in developing countries where they don't have the medicine to fight off the disease of, of malaria. And they, they shared with them a stat that every minute a child dies of malaria somewhere in the world. And so they've been bringing in their money and, and they've been collecting it. And, and uh, they've raised enough money so far, to, I think, to buy 12 or 14 14, I think, bug um, nets. And they want to share that opportunity with you as well. In the next two Sundays, they're going to be, have a table set up in the back. And uh, they want to share with you what they're doing, and they want to invite you to join them in their generosity. And so maybe over the next couple of weeks, if you think about that, maybe you want to join in and help them out with what they're doing. I mentioned these already. You know, Hope International is a, a great organization in Lancaster um, that helps people with microfinancing, helps them to, gives them a small loan um, that they can build a business with and pay that back so others can have the same opportunity. Compassion International gives opportunities to, to buy gifts similar to the goat like we did, um, sponsor children. Same with Hearts United with Haiti. That's a local organization that we partner with when we go to Haiti. And, and um, you know, you can get on their website and find ways to give or talk to Jen and I and we can tell you more about that. And the last one is our Benevolence Fund here at CCC. And our Benevolence Fund is we, we collect for that every Christmas Eve at our Christmas Eve services. And that's just simply a fund that we use as a church to, to help those in our church and those in our community that are in need. And so that's a great way for you to be generous this year is towards our Benevolence Fund. And however you decide, whether it's one of these or something else, however you decide to be generous, whatever step you decide to take, this Christmas season, just know, right, that you can trust God to provide what it is that you need so that you can be generous to those who are in need. And I don't know what that's going to look like in your life, but I hope that um, God challenges you to take that step and that you have a chance to see him show up in a pretty cool way. And just think of the impact that we could have if, if it was true of us what says at the end of, of verse 11 there, it says that you could be generous on every occasion. And think of the impact that we could have as a church on this community and on this area and even around the world if that was true of each and every one of us. Let's just take a moment and pray and ask God to help us, help that to be true of us. God, we thank you so much for your love for us and thank you for the grace that you give us each day in our lives the way that you provide so much for us, the way that you give us all that we need. And God, I pray that you would just help us this morning as we've been challenged as the Corinthians were to take a moment and just think about where we are when it comes to generosity and to ask ourselves the really hard question of do we trust you enough to give to others? And God, I pray for each one here today, whatever whatever wherever they may be in terms of generosity and whatever that next step for them might be, that you would just help them to show their trust in you by moving forward with that. And that you would grow their trust in you as they see you show up and as they see you provide for their needs. And God, we desire 
to be people who, like we saw in verse 7, can give freely and can give joyfully to those in need. And we long for you to use us in that way to make a difference in the lives of those around us. And we love you, Father, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.